I'm Pastor Brian, one of the teaching pastors here, and it's great to be here with you uh, this morning on a toasty Father's Day weekend. Hope you have good Father's Day plans. Um, I just chatted with a father who said, we're going to go do some yard work today. And I'm like, that is a great Father's Day idea. That's a great idea. So if you're still scrambling to look, kids, if, you're, if you forgot a gift for your dad, it's not as bad as if you did it on Mother's Day. That's the unforgivable sin. But you can always just say, hey, dad, here's what I've been planning all year long. We're going to go help on the yard today after, after church. So that's a good thing to do. Um, we're in our series called Through the Book of Galatians, where we are going through the book of Galatians. So if you have a Bible, we invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 2 today. It's a six-chapter book of the Bible. If you missed last week, just a quick little setup. My son AJ got his wisdom teeth uh, out a couple weeks ago, and he was nervous all week long to see what, how he would act when he was loopy on those drugs when they knock you out. You know, you young people, you, you're always like ready to record and then send it to everyone and embarrass him. And my son was super nervous what he would say. Because you don't know what's going to come out of you. Do you know what I'm saying? You don't know what's going to come out of you when your inhibitions aren't there. Uh, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is, the last fruit of the Spirit is self-control. But, but all bets are off when you're on drugs. So keep that in mind. So AJ, my 18-year-old son, was super nervous about what he was going to do. He heard stories about what happened to me when I was his age and had my wisdom teeth out. And I said some things that my mom to this day still won't tell me. <laughs> so, so my son was really nervous. Well, he, he gets knocked. He comes to after the surgery. He's still loopy. And he turned to the nurses and he said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and then here, well, here's what he said next. This is why it's an intro to today's message. He said, you should read the book of Galatians. And so that's what we're doing. We're going to read the book of Galatians together. <laughs> Because my drugged up son said so. <clears throat> I told him afterward, I said, son, you are such a better person in your heart than your dad ever was. So we feel really good about that. So we're doing that. We're reading the book of Galatians. And one of the things we're challenging you to do is to read a chapter every day, Monday through Saturday. It's six, six, six chapters. You can do it in less than five minutes a day. And do it all throughout this whole series, and you will have read the book of Galatians six times. And more than that, it's going to give you so much more insight as we go through this, because this is a little bit of an old-fashioned Bible study we're doing. We're digging into a lot of information today, and you're going you're gonna to probably want to reread everything I talk about today, because we're going to go super fast. Today we're talking about these two meetings that shaped the early church there were two meetings. One was the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. I'll show you that here in a second. And the other one was a meeting between two leaders of the early church, Paul, the author of Galatians, and Peter, one of the, one of the 12 disciples and one of the leaders of the early church. And there was a meeting that they had, and the, meeting, the, the second meeting, we're going to get to this, that Paul ref, refers in Galatians 2, <clears throat> the second meeting actually is where, where Paul had to call Peter out for something. Because he had a hard time. How many of you know that sometimes it's easy, to, it's easy to sing the truth, to sing a song about the truth, or it's, either, it's easy to stand for the truth on a Sunday morning when you're su surrounded by a bunch of Christians, and it's harder to do it on a Monday morning. Young people, you know this. Old people, you know this. It's easy to stand for something when, when you're surrounded by people who are standing for it, 
But sometimes it's hard to do it. That's where the rubber meets the road when you have to do it out in the real world. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about buying into this radical message of grace that we talked about last week because Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians in the context of fighting for the one gospel that we looked at last week, the one gospel that we're saved by faith, we're saved by Jesus plus nothing else. That's how we're saved. And that's the one gospel that Paul was so convinced of, and we're going to see as we turn to chapter 2 of Galatians, we're going to see how fired up he gets about this. But I want to start with this picture that some of you, maybe you've never seen this before, but we've talked about this on staff for years. We call it the four levels of certainty, and, uh, and it's connected to, like, are you willing to, what beliefs are you willing to die for? What beliefs are a little less important and you'll divide over as a church? What beliefs are less important still that you'll just debate for? And then finally, what are the beliefs that are really not that big of a deal you'll just decide for? So for example, color of the carpet in the sanctuary at a church. That should not be a die-for issue. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Yeah, that shouldn't be. Some of you maybe grew up in a church where you're like, no, my church, that was a die-for issue in the church that I grew up in. Well, that's just dumb. Sorry, that's just dumb. It's a, it's a decide-for issue. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to affect anyone's eternity, the color of the carpets, okay? That's a decide-for issue. A, deba a debate-for issue might be a little bit more important. Like, let's say style of worship. Maybe that's a debate-for issue. By the way, this is a great thing to talk about after church, to talk about with your family, parents. It's, it's a good thing to really make sure that you help your kids understand. There's, this is a great conversation for your small groups, for your mentoring relationships. What are the debate-for issues for a church? A little bit more important are the divide-for issues. These are the issues that maybe have, over the generations, have, have formed denominations. Denominations aren't bad. It's not a bad thing that we have, that we have Baptists and we have Methodists, we have non-denominational, we're non, Alpine's a non-denominational church, but we have people from all kinds of denominations who worship with us. It's not that, we're not against denominations when we say we're non-denominational. We just, we just don't choose a side, right? And so we have so many people from so many different uh, back, religious backgrounds. We think that's great, right? So there are some issues, though, that, that for churches over the years, they've said, this is important enough that we should divide over this, like you're going to be Baptists and we're going to be Methodists. But we're still all Christians because we all share the same die-for issues. And so the die-for issues are the issues that are the most important, if you don't agree with, if we don't all agree on these same die-for issues, then we're not, then we start to move outside of a traditional Christian church. And so I wanted to show you that because I think it's important for us to have a framework for understanding what Paul's about, ready to talk about in Galatians chapter 2. The author of this concept, Gary Brashears, he says this, divisive people are ones who elevate lower level issues to divide force. False teachers, pay attention to this, false teachers treat die-for issues, the most important issues, they treat die-for issues as questions open for humble discussion. There are things that we, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are things that we need to be willing to stand for, there are things that we need to be willing to die for, and today I'm going to tell you 
one of those things. Because this is what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 2. So let's get started. The early church, when we say the early church, we mean the church that we read about in the book of Acts in your Bible. The early church met in Jerusalem to formalize the essence of the Christian message. This was the, the famous Council of Jerusalem. We read about it in Acts chapter 15. I'll just give you a little bit of a taste of it right here, verses 4 and 5. It says, when Paul and Barnabas arrived in Jerusalem... They were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders, and they reported everything that God had done through them. Remember, Paul, we saw last week that Paul had gone in Acts chapter 13. Paul had started his first missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas traveled through the region of Galatia, preaching the gospel in the synagogues and then also to the Gentiles. Many people came to faith. The churches got started. Remember this from last week? They got back after their trip was done and they had shared the gospel. And after their trip was done, they found out that there was another group that went back to the region of Galatia and preached a slightly different message. And when, they, when that slightly different message was preached, many of the Galatian believers believed it accepted this slightly different version of the gospel, which, by the way, is not slightly different. When you change the gospel, it's not, it's not a color of the carpet issue. When you change the gospel, you're in trouble. And that's why Paul wrote Galatians, the first of his 13 letters that he wrote in the, in the New Testament, that Galatians was the very first one, and Paul wrote it because he was ticked off. He wanted to make sure that his children in the faith he wanted to make sure that the Galatian believers didn't fall for this slightly different message. I want you to hear this. This is not a slightly different message. And that's what actually the church in Jerusalem met to consider. They're like, is this that big of a deal? Is this a color of the carpet issue? Or is this something that we should really take a stand for? And so Paul and Barnabas reported everything God had done through them on their first missionary journey to the council in Jerusalem. But then some of them insisted... Okay, here it is. The Gentile converts, remember there's Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles were everyone who wasn't a Jew, right? And so some, some of these people, we learned last week we call these people the Judaizers. There was a group in the early church that said the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So that means you can't eat bacon and you got to get circumcised. And I know Pastor John last week said, I'm good, I'm good with the circumcision thing, but if you take my bacon away, we're going to have problems. I thought that was hilarious when I listened to that afterward. I don't feel like that got enough of a laugh, Pastor John, so I just want to say, keep it up. Keep going. They're going to get it. Eventually, they're going to get your sense of humor. I thought it was awesome. Okay. So basically, what the Judaizers were saying was this, and this is, this is what's interesting the, the most dangerous people in the church aren't people who are going to speak against Jesus. It's people who use the name of Jesus, but it's a different Jesus. So here these Judaizers are, and they're, they're saying, no, we love Jesus. Jesus is just all right with us. That should get a little bit of a laugh, not, nothing. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm not supposed to know that song. No, that's fine. That's funny. All right, Jesus is just all right with us. And so we're going to so say, we love Jesus, but you still have to jump through all these hoops to be saved. And so we saw last week the Judaizers' message on the left there is that salvation equals Jesus plus works. You need a little bit of Jesus. You need a little bit of works. And the combination gets you saved. People, that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That's what Paul said last week. That is not the good news. He said, I can't believe you've turned away 
from the good news that you just heard, you turned away from the good news and you're following this other message which is not good news at all. It's not good news to say that you need the gospel, that you need Jesus and you need a little bit of works. You need a little bit of both. And if you don't get both, then you're not saved. That's not good news because how could you ever know if you did enough? You can't. You can't save yourself. Paul's message, the real gospel is salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. This is the real gospel. And this is what the church, the council in Acts 15, this is what they were meeting to talk about is which one of these two gospels is the real gospel? Because you can't have them both. It's going to be one or the other. And so Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I went to Jerusalem because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there, he said, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church, Peter, James, John, those guys, and shared with them the message I'd been preaching to the Gentiles. Hey guys, come here, Peter, James, John, come here. I just want to make sure you understand something. I just got back from Galatia. I just got back from planting these churches. It was awesome. I wish you could have been there. But here's what I preached to them. I said, salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. That's what you're all preaching, right? Are we all preaching the same thing here? This is the message I brought. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page, right? He said, Paul says, I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing and I was connected to the wrong group. Because I'm positive Paul would have left. This early Christian, if Peter and James and John, if the council of Jerusalem said, no, the Judaizers are right, Judaizers are right, Paul would have said, I'm out of here. You guys aren't the true church. And he should have. He didn't have to. You're going to, spoiler alert, he didn't have to. But this is, this is how big of a deal this was to Paul. So let's go back to Acts 15 and see what the conclusion of the matter was. So this is, this is Peter speaking here. He says, so why, he's, this is Peter speaking to, or James, I can't remember, one of the two, speaking to the council. He says, why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that we, neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. And here's the conclusion, ready? Here's what they decided in Acts 15. For those of you who don't know the answer to this. He said, we believe that we are all, Jews and Gentiles, that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Praise God that the early church got the very first... There are a lot of church councils. There are a lot of meetings, church meetings that are boring and dumb and pointless. This one was not one of those. They got it right. They came together. They listened to the Judaizers' message. They listened to Paul and Peter, and they said, here, here we're, I believe, carried by the Holy Spirit. They said, this is the gospel. We are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus plus nothing. Paul won, Judaizers Zero. And that's good. Friends, it's so important for us to understand the history of the church. And because this is, again, in, in Galatians, this is what we're reading. Paul feels so strongly about this stuff. And the early church got it right. We are all saved the same way. If you grew up in a church that has allowed legalism to creep in, Legalism is just what we saw on the screen there. It's just that you need to do something else to add to what Jesus did on the cross to save yourself. Then here's your chance 
to align yourself with the one true Christian church that's got all kinds of denominations and forms throughout the ages, but the fundamental message of the Christian church, and any churches that don't carry this fundamental message are not part of the Christian church universal. The fundamental message of the Christian church is what we've got underlined right here. We are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. If you're following a different way, then you've been fooled, and you're following the wrong way. These aren't my words. This is backed up by the early church. This is backed up by all of Scripture. And I want you to understand something. The gospel of grace was a big leap for the disciples who had grown up Jewish, but you need to understand this as we're reading Paul's letter. It was, it was even harder for, for the ex-Pharisee Paul. Paul, this is what, <clears throat> Paul's story is one of the most inspiring stories for me. It's one of the, it's one of the greatest proofs of life in the whole Bible for me. Because Paul was a guy who was worse than the, Phari- or than the Judaizers. He was a Pharisee. Paul didn't even believe Jesus. Paul, before Paul met Jesus, Paul's equation was salvation equals works. Forget about Jesus. He didn't even believe in Jesus. He was persecuting followers of the way. He was persecuting Jesus' disciples. And then he met Jesus. And Jesus said, you're wrong, humble yourself, you can't work your way to heaven. And Paul said, I believe it. Could you imagine how hard that was? If you've ever met a legalistic person, imagine that person saying, salvation has nothing to do with what I can do. That's a huge leap. This was Paul. When Paul met Jesus, it was so clear to him that he was wrong. He must have met Jesus. Because there's no way a guy, I've known too many guys like that. There's no way a guy like that does a 180. And Paul did. Paul talks about it in one of his other letters, Philippians 3. He said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. Can you see the Pharisee coming up in him just a little bit? He's like, look at how good I was. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. But here's his point. This is the whole reason he says all this in Philippians. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. That's a nice word. Actually, it's a dirty word that he uses right there. Let's say dung. And you can fill in whatever you think it is. I'm not going to say it because we have kids in here. He says, but that's essentially the word there. He says, all of those things are worthless, garbage, trash. Why? Because of what Christ has done. So, so if If this was hard for Peter and James and John, who were Pharisees or who were fishermen and tax collectors, if this was hard for them, they didn't didn't even have the background. They didn't even have all the pedigree that Paul had. Paul was was the one that should have had the hardest time with this concept, but Paul had the courage to stand up for it. He believed in it. And that's what makes the second meeting in Galatians 2 so interesting. And that's our last point. In Antioch, this is what we're going to see in Galatians 2, Paul met with Peter to call him out for not standing up for the true gospel. So the first meeting was the meeting of Jerusalem in Acts 15 where they made the decision. They said, yep, Paul's right, Judaizers are wrong, and they're all standing for it. Well, later on, we found, find out that there was this this personal interaction between Paul and Peter that if you've never read this before, you got to hear this because this is where the lesson really hits home for us on a personal level. 
He talks about it in Galatians 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, when Peter came to Antioch, Paul said, I had to oppose him to his face because what he did was very wrong. Paul didn't have a problem saying someone was wrong. Paul, called the, he was, Paul was the first one <clears throat> to call the Judaizers false believers. He didn't say they were <clears throat> Christians. They were still brothers in Christ. He said, no, they're false believers. And now he says what Peter did was very wrong. Peter was one of the, church, one of the biggest leaders in the early church. And Paul's calling him out. <clears throat> Here's what he did. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. You know, pulled pork and bacon. I mean, they were having a great time eating, eating it up. Atkins diet stuff. <clears throat> they were Gentiles. It says, but afterward, look what he says, but afterward when some friends of James came, he's probably talking about the Judaizers here. Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. See, you weren't supposed to have table fellowship with, if you were a good Jew, you weren't supposed to have table fellowship. That was a big deal. You weren't supposed to have table fellowship with Gentiles. You, wouldn't, you weren't supposed to be not just eating with Gentiles, but eating non-kosher food with Gentiles. That's what Peter was doing. In other words, he was like, I'm all in. I'm all in on the gospel. You get the smell of bacon, and you're like, I am all in on the gospel, right? But then the Judaizers come, and he's like, okay, I'm going to separate from that table now. And, and now I'm going to go hang out with the Judaizers. And he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Why? He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And so Paul had to call Peter out. Paul had to say to Peter, you hypocrite. When you were in front of everybody in, in, in Jerusalem, and, and we got the vote, the Paul group got the vote. You're like, yes, I'm all in. But as soon as the, as the Judaizers show up, we can see that you're not really, you're not willing to die for it. And what's crazy about it is earlier in Acts, we saw that Peter should know better. If you know Peter's story from Acts chapter 10, Peter has this vision where he saw the sky open. And this was before the Jerusalem council, God revealed this to Peter well ahead of time, just like he had revealed it to Paul well ahead of time. Peter saw the sky open, something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners, and the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds, and then a voice came to him and said, get, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's sitting there going, this is a trick. This is a test, this is a test to see if I know what's kosher and what's not. And so Peter says, no, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. And so Peter's sitting there saying, I'm going to pass this test. I did my, I did my study when I was in, a kid in, in the synagogue. I know what's kosher and what's not. And he's feeling pretty good about himself. But a voice spoke again from heaven and said, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. And that same vision was repeated three times. Seems like Peter always needed three things. Right? He denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus, afterward, Jesus like, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. The resurrected Jesus had to say to Peter. And now here it is again. Jesus is like, this is Peter. We're going to have to give it to him three times to make sure he gets it. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. So let's, get it, let's give it to him three different. Sorry, Peter. I'm just being truthful here. 
And so three different times this vision came to Peter. Three different times. And now he's in Antioch. And he still hasn't gotten the message. And so back to Galatians, Paul had to call him out. And Paul said this, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. This was such a big deal to Paul. And the good news is Peter got the message. You know, you, we all make mistakes. We all, we all sometimes we align with the wrong team or we get a little bit off in our theology or even in our practice. But what I love about this picture in the early church is that, is that when Paul called out Peter, it actually worked. Paul and Peter both, they didn't, you know, Peter didn't go start a different church. They were both part of the same church. Sometimes you need a Paul in your life to call you out and to say, don't follow a different way. It's not the real gospel. Don't follow a different way. Paul said, this is a die-for issue. Peter agreed. And the, the cool thing is, well, I don't know if you'd call it cool, they both died for it. Paul and Peter, most of the early disciples, died for it. This wasn't a color of the carpet issue. They died for the real gospel Salvation equals Jesus plus nothing. There's nothing you can add to the work of Jesus on the cross. He died for our sins. If we would put our faith in him, then we would be saved. And so the question for you today is, will you stand up for the gospel? Even if it costs you something, and it might not cost you your life. Although, who knows? Maybe it will. The way this country's going, who knows? Serious. Every time I turn on the news, it's just scarier and scarier to see how secular, how against God our culture is. It seems like everyone can have an opinion but God. There are some issues that are color the carpet issues, but this thing, the grace, the radical message of grace that Paul was confronted with on the road to Damascus when he first met Jesus, and then he died for it, that Peter was confronted with over and over and over, and Peter eventually died for, this gospel message is worth dying for. And will you stand for it? Will you trust it? Will you, will you recommit to it? There's some in here, maybe you would say, I don't know that I've ever even trusted Jesus for the first time, then today I invite you to do that, to trust Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation, because you can't do it yourself. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would help us to receive your message. This timeless gospel, you, you, you made it so clear 2,000 years ago. You made it clear personally to Peter. You made it clear personally to Paul. You made it clear as a group to the council at Jerusalem. You make it clear in every single page of your holy scriptures. You make it so clear that we are not saved by anything that we can do. We are saved 100% by the work that Jesus did on the cross. And God, I pray that we would commit once again, that we would embrace this radical message once again, because it is good news.
thank you for saving us. Thank you for redeeming us from the curse of the law. Jesus, by becoming cursed, by hanging on a tree, and thank you for defeating sin and hell and death and the grave for your glory, for our good. And God, I pray that we would live in the light of that good news every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.